with this theme of sort of like last here tonight, I'm just thankful that we're almost through the whole day and I haven't been fired yet for all the, th- all the things we just pulled off, that this wasn't my last Sunday as the pastor of this church, so I'm glad I still have a job. But I want you to think about just that idea of, of last, of last Christmas. And, and here we are talking about this being our, our last Christmas in this building, and that's a really good chance. In fact, that's what we hope will happen as we continue to grow out, this, grow out of this building. And I know I want to thank several of you guys who ended up having to park all the way down behind Taco Bell at the nursing home and shuttle back here. Uh, obviously, we need a new space. And so as I think about that, I think about the last time I'll be in this building, right? I think about the last time I'll be up in my office, and I'll be thinking about all the memories. When I was about 23 years old, Pastor Pavone hired a much hairier version of me to come and be the youth pastor here at this church. And my first week, we took the wallpaper off the walls, and we painted the offices. And so we had paint everywhere and buckets of like water and like wallpaper solution. And so I got my first official phone call as the youth pastor here at the church. And I was so ready. Like Pastor Ravone says, oh, it's for you. And I'm thinking, this is my moment. I'm going to show off my phone skills to my new boss here. And so I reached for the phone and I dropped it in the bucket of wallpaper solution. And I know you guys are thinking like I dropped this. These didn't exist for like another seven years. I dropped this entire contraption in the bucket of wallpaper solution. So that was sort of my first impression here on my new boss. I think about in my office the, the times we've met as a team, the times we've dreamt up crazy specials like this. I think about the times I've just gotten down on my knees and said, God, show up, do something, change people's lives. That's going to be crazy to think about that last time I'll be in the office. I think about the last time I'll go in the cafe and I'll look at the door to the closet. And I'll think about that because one of our lead guitarists, Dan, when he was in seventh grade and I was the youth pastor, his friend Chenzi said to him, hey, Dan, I bet you can't run full speed into that door. And he said, oh, yes, I can. And there's the head mark, his forehead mark, in the door to prove that he could do it. I think about the last time that I'll be in this room and, and this light, this light specifically right over here between these two front windows. I think about that because Joey and Andrew and myself, we were trying to figure out, would we be able to work it out to do like a kid's youth dodgeball in here one night? And so we're all trying to figure out, what are we going to do about the lights though? They're going to get so beat up. So Joey and Andrew and I decide the only way to know if the lights are going to get broken is to throw a ball right at it, Right? That's some pretty good logic, I think, right? And so, sure enough, from about three feet away, I hurled back and threw that ball. And what do you think happened? Yeah, it fell and broke. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was a great, great idea. So, and then we proceeded to do dodgeball anyway. So, we, we're, we're thinkers around here. I, I think about the ceiling above us and the hours and hours I've spent up in the ceiling. Not just because I like hanging out in ceilings, but because we've run wire, electrical. We've run a video and lighting and audio and all the stuff. I think about the ceiling in the lobby where I was up there doing something. I came down on my way down. The ladder kicked out from under me and I grabbed the rafters and I'm hanging out screaming for the staff and Andrew came running out. I'll save you. And he saved my life that day. Oh, man. But it's going to be rough thinking about the last time, you know, Uh, this stage, how many messages have been preached here? How many people have been prayed for here? How many awesome worship songs and band songs and specials have been played here? And and I think about that, though though this isn't the last time we're going to be in the building, it's a really good chance this is the last Christmas that we'll be in this building. And you know, for me, it's kind of a bittersweet thing because we have all those great memories But we're also really excited about what's next. We're excited about the next season, where we're going to be Christmas 2017. And that is exactly what I want you to think about, not for us as a church, but for your own life. Where are you going to be Christmas 2017? Not in a physical location. 
but in your life and the decisions you're making, in your place of, of looking around saying, okay, where's my place in this world? And where's God? And, and how am I relating to him? And, and you know what? There are things that you walked into the room tonight with. There are things we all walked into this room tonight with that we would love to say goodbye to as we round out 2016. There are things we would love to not be true of us in 2017. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the screens and I want you to fill in this blank. Many of us came into this Christmas season filling that blank. What? You came in what? You came in with what struggle? With what going on in your life that you would love to see gone by Christmas 2017? Let me give you some possibilities. Some of you guys would fill in that blank with the word alone. You came into this Christmas season feeling really alone. If there's one word that could describe you, it would be lonely right now. The commentary on us in our culture and in our world is that we are alone in a crowded room. In other words, we're with people almost all the time. Social media just made that even more, more true of us, right? We're with people, so to speak, all the time, and yet we've probably never felt more alone. So some of you came in feeling alone. Some of you came in and you'd fill in that blank with addicted, you know, and there's the, the, the kind of the famous things to be addicted to, like drugs or alcohol or pornography or those things. But there are other things that we're addicted to too, aren't there? What about just like people pleasing? What about being addicted to attention? I have got to see how many likes I've got. I've got to see how many favorites I have, retweets, all that stuff. Sometimes we are so addicted just to attention or to people pleasing and to saying, hey, I'll do anything to make this person happy, even when it's very detrimental to our own lives. Would you fill in that line with addicted? How about fearful or anxious? You came into this holiday season, this Christmas season, really fearful, really anxious about some things. You're thinking about all the what ifs. Some of you guys would answer it that way. Some of you guys would say you're depressed. You came into the Christmas season when it's supposed to be fun and exciting and everyone around us is supposed to be happy and you came into this season depressed. And so maybe you're thinking about last year things were better for you. You're thinking about how last year maybe someone was sitting at the Christmas table that won't be this year. And you're just coming to this season, if you're honest, totally depressed. Some of you guys would fill that blank in with the word blind. And I don't mean physically blind. I mean you're blind when it comes to seeing who God is. And you know what happens when you can't see who God is? You don't know who you are. And when you don't know who you are or who God is, something else is true. You don't know what to do next. So you're blind to your next step. You're kind of just clawing at things. We're trying to just figure things out and piece them together the best we can with our limited knowledge and ability. So some of us feel blind to God or to ourselves or to what a next step is. Maybe the last option I'll give you here, and and yours may not come up in my conversation here, but, but that's okay. Whatever you'd fill these blanks in with, that's what I want you to be thinking about here tonight. But some of us, you would fill in that blank with the word guilty. You came into this Christmas season just feeling really guilty. The choices you've made, the things you've done. Maybe you're like, man, I haven't been in church since last Christmas. I feel guilty about that. I don't know what it is for you. But I do know this. I know that both addiction and guilt are like a prison, right? And you think about the things you've done, and you think about the things you're stuck in, and you just feel like simply you're locked sort of in a prison. Well, this is so important for us to talk about tonight because here's the next fill in the blank. I want you to think about this. This could be the last Christmas season you spend with that thing true of you. Whatever you thought of when I said fill in that blank, this could be the last Christmas season that you spend alone, addicted, fearful, anxious, guilty, depressed. This could be the last Christmas. Why is that true? We're going to look at that tonight. What if, you see, what if you came into this Christmas season feeling alone? What if there's a God that wants to walk through life with you? 
What if there's a God that wants you to never feel alone, though everyone would leave you, though everyone would turn their back on you, Jesus would still stand with you. What if that were true? And what if not only he was with you, but as you're on this journey in this relationship with him, there are other people surrounding you that are on the same journey. And so what if this Christmas would be the last season you spent alone? What if this Christmas was the last season you spent addicted? What if God was big enough to break your addiction, whether it's to one of the famous things like alcohol or simply to people-pleasing or maybe unforgiveness or anger? What if this is the last Christmas season you spent fearful and anxious because there's nothing like the peace of God coming and at work in your life? What if this is the last Christmas season you spent depressed because God filled you with joy that's not based on circumstances or if things are going good or bad? What if this is the last Christmas season you spent blind because God showed you who he is and when he shows you who he is, you learn who you are and what your next step might be? And what if this is the last Christmas season you spend guilty because of what Jesus has done for you and for me? See, this is all our potential today, but here's what's so important. It all hinges on something. Everything that I've brought up today, all the potential we have in this room hinges on one thing. It's how we respond to Jesus. It's how we look at him and how we interact with him going forward. You might say, well, Doug, what does that mean? Well, we're going to continue to look at what that means here today. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we're so glad that you guys are here with us. And we want you to know that we always want this to be a safe church for you to come in and to ask questions and to wrestle with your doubts and to wrestle with your faith. We don't think God's afraid of our questions or our skepticisms. He welcomes them. And so if you come in here tonight and you're like, I don't believe like this guy on stage believes, that's okay, you're welcome. We're so glad you're here. And I hope tonight that you'll kind of look along with us at Jesus and the amazing hope he offers about maybe making this the last Christmas we spend with that fill-in-the-blank kind of owning us. And so we're going to look at a few verses in Luke chapter 4 tonight. And here's where we are in the story. Jesus has come, which is what we celebrate this time of year. He's come, and he's grown into a man. And he started to do some really awesome things, some miracles, some lives are being changed, and then... We catch up with him in Luke 4, in verse 14, it says this, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. So Jesus is somewhat of a rock star here. Like, he's on the cover of Time magazine. You know, he's trending on social media, hashtag Jesus is legit. So, you know, he's, he's real famous. Everybody knows him. Everybody wants a little bit of a piece of him right now. Verse 16, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath, he went into the synagogue, which was his custom. Now, what was the synagogue? The synagogue was a place of worship, okay? So it was kind of like church for Jesus and the other Jews of his day. And so he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath to gather with other Jews. But then it says this, he stood up to read. What does that mean? He stood up to read. So every Sabbath, there'd be seven readers. There'd be a Levite and a priest and then five readers who belong to that local synagogue. And Jesus, this day, is one of the readers. And this is unique because we see Jesus teaching in other synagogues, but we never see him reading. What does it mean to read? It means you get up, you're handed a piece of the Old Testament, which is the first half of the Bible, and you literally open up a scroll, and you read God's word to the rest of the people in the room. Jesus has never done this. Why? Because he's never been in his home synagogue publicly like this before today. So he's back at home in his home synagogue. He he rolls open the scroll to read. And we see something so cool because the first half of the Bible is full of all these prophecies about a savior, a Messiah, someone who was coming to make the hugest difference imaginable. And look what happens in verse 17. 
And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. So Jesus is handed the scroll of Isaiah. You know how long ago the scroll of Isaiah was written before Jesus came? 750 years before Jesus. And you know what Isaiah is full of? Pictures of a savior. Pictures of a rescuer. So here is Jesus. And, and it's probably apparent that he's looking through the scroll for some certain words to read. Like he didn't just open it up and find any little spot. He's looking in this scroll for very specific words. And I imagine that he finds it and he clears his throat and he says this in verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Everyone is looking at Jesus thinking, what just happened? They're saying, this is different than everything we've ever heard before. Every reader that's ever read before, there's something different about this Jesus guy. I can only imagine that in the past, maybe some of the Jews got a little bored while some of the scriptures were read. You ever been in church and you kind of fallen asleep, right? In fact, later in the Bible, there's a time where this guy is preaching so long that one of his listeners who was sitting in a window cell fell asleep and fell out the window. Some of you guys are like, I wish I fell out a window at church. Or at least there'd be something to do, <laughs> Um, no one's falling asleep on Jesus. No one's falling asleep on Jesus here. I remember being in college, and there was this auditorium we would meet in for chapel, right? And so all the kids would be sitting down on the main floor, and there was a balcony. All the professors would sit up on the balcony, and there'd be the preacher guy up on the stage. And there were these two professors sitting up in the balcony one day, and they were kind of pranksters. And they would prank each other, and they would do things to each other. And one of the professors fell asleep. So in the middle of the guy preaching on the stage... The one professor elbows the other one that fell asleep and said, they asked you to close in prayer. And so he stands up and goes, dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful service. And everyone's like, what? You know? And and you know what? No one fell asleep on Jesus that day. Everyone was looking at Jesus going, wait, wait, what did he just do? What did he just say? This is the one who can heal. This is the one who can open eyes. This is the one who's making lame people walk. What did he just do? Now, what's interesting here is every eye is on him, right? But I just wonder how long Jesus waited before he said his next word. Because here was the custom of the day. They would stand up to read the scripture, and then they would sit down to expound on it or to teach. And Jesus has stood up and he read Isaiah, right? And then he sat down. I just wonder how long he waited before he made these following comments. Everyone's staring at him. Everyone's looking. What's he going to say? Verse 21. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, Jesus is saying, you know that whole thing I just read that was written 750 years ago about a savior, about one who would set the prisoners free and give sight to the blind and reach out to the poor? Remember that? Yeah, that's me. If there was ever a mic drop in scripture, it was right here. Today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. Boom. Think about that. Jesus does the unthinkable. You see, we have a kind of hard time figuring out and feeling the weight of this, okay? Because the Jews, from the time they were little kids, they were told a Savior is coming, a Messiah is coming, someone is coming to rescue us. 
And they were watching and they were waiting. And so this is like anticipation like you and I don't know. This is not waiting for the next Star Wars movie to come out. This is not an engaged couple waiting for their wedding day. This is not a pregnant couple waiting for their child to be born. This is not waiting until February for the next season of Walking Dead. This is the Jews from the time they're little kids going, a Savior's coming, a Messiah's coming. Someone's coming to rescue us. And so everyone has just heard Jesus say, I'm here. I came, you don't have to look anymore. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I am here to be Messiah you've been looking for. Now that we know that Jesus was talking about himself when he read these verses, let's look at just a few of them. Verse 18, he said this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Well, who are the poor here? Well, the poor are the the literal monetarily poor, but they're also, you know who they are? The outcasts. And do you know who outcasts are? Outcasts are people who feel alone. And you know what's interesting? Some of you, when I asked you to fill in that phrase on the screen a few minutes ago, you put the word alone in there. You said, I came into this Christmas season feeling alone. But you know what? Jesus came to proclaim good news to you. And to me, when we feel alone, when we're the social outcasts, when we're the poor, so to speak. You know who else was the poor? It was the poor in spirit. What does that mean? It means the people who knew they needed saving. The people who knew they were guilty. Isn't that an interesting word? Because I think some of you probably filled in on the screen a few minutes ago with the word guilty. And Jesus came to bring good news to you and to me if we're guilty. What is that news? We're going to get to it. He goes on a little bit more. He said, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Well, that's great news. You know why? Because some of us filled in that phrase there, addicted. And we saw that being addicted, whether it's porn or being a people pleaser, that addiction is a prison. Jesus came to proclaim freedom for you if you're addicted tonight. And there's nothing too big for him. The story of our pastor, Pastor Bravon, the guy who was crazy enough to hire me 16 years ago, Yet his story is that he was so addicted to drugs that his wife had thrown him out of the house and changed the locks. And he came back, him and his wife put their faith in Jesus, and they never looked back. Everything changed like that because Jesus is big enough to do that. And you know what? I've walked with different people through seasons of addiction, and sometimes it is like this, and other times it's a process. But whichever way God chooses to do it, God is able to proclaim freedom for the addicted prisoner, but he's also able to proclaim freedom for the guilty because that's a prison of its own too. And whether you're a follower of Jesus or not here tonight, there are things you probably beat yourself up about. There are things that you remember and you think about. I was just telling my kids a few days ago something that I said to a teacher at Smithtown Christian School when I was in probably 11th grade, something that I wish I never said, something that still haunts me to this day, and I'm 38 years old. That was over 20 years ago, and I still remember it, and I I cringe when I think about what I said to this lady. And you know what? There's things in all our lives way bigger than that that we still beat ourselves up about. Well, we have a God who uh, came to proclaim freedom for you and I from the prisons of guilt that we hold ourselves in. That's what Jesus came to do for you and me. The next part says, and recovery of sight for the blind. God wants you to see him clearly. God wants you to see him clearly. Yeah, Jesus came to touch literally blind eyes, but he also came for those of us who couldn't see him clearly. 
to show us who he is and then to show us who we are and then to show us what to do next. And so if you're feeling blind this season, if you filled in that phrase, blind there, then I hope today you're seeing that we have a God who came to recover our sight so we could see who he is and we could see who we are. Then it says this, to set the oppressed free. And you know what? There's different types of oppression. Sometimes it's a person who oppresses another person. But isn't it true that a type of oppression is depression? Isn't it true that a type of oppression is fear and anxiety? Well, Jesus came to set the oppressed free. And so if you filled your phrase in as fearful or anxious or depressed, then you have a Savior that came so that you could say, you know what? This is the last Christmas I spent oppressed. This is the last Christmas season that I I spent depressed. This is the last Christmas I spent fearful and anxious. And he goes on in verse 19, the last little part we're going to look at. And he says this, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What does that mean? Jesus came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It probably means this. It means that up until this point in human history, there had not yet come a Savior. There were pictures of the Savior like we saw in Isaiah, but a Savior wasn't there in flesh and bones. But this was a new season. Jesus is saying, I came to tell you of God's favor and love and grace and mercy. Now, here's the thing. This is really important. You see, I think a lot of us here in the room tonight, especially if you're not maybe at church a lot, or, or maybe you just sort of feel like, uh, you know, I come and go. I think sometimes we feel like one of two things is true. Either we're so broken, no one can fix us, God included, or he wouldn't want to because of the things we've done. Or secondly, we can kind of fix ourselves. And if I could just talk to that for a second. You see this wall where Zach came busting out a while back? I could do my very best to put that back together, but you would still see its brokenness. I could stay here all night, glue, tape, paint. I could touch it up best I can. You'd still be able to walk by that and say, I think the Kool-Aid man came crashing through there. (laughs) And you know what? I think that's what some of us try to do with our lives. I can clean myself up. Or we think, I'm so broken I wouldn't even try. I mean, honestly, I look at that and I'm like, yeah, let's go buy a new sheet and we'll paint it again. I don't want to fix that. That's destroyed. As some of you feel that you're that destroyed person that God can never put back together. But this is the time we say, wait a minute, Jesus came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, that something new was happening. There was a change taking place. Jesus was about to change everything. And so I don't know how you walked in here tonight. I don't know how you came into this Christmas season or how you would fill in all those blanks. But I do know this, that the first Christmas can make this your last Christmas stuck with whatever you filled in that blank. The first Christmas can make this your last Christmas addicted and alone, fearful, anxious, depressed, guilty, and blind. Jesus coming, that first Christmas is the hope for all of that. Jesus coming, that first Christmas is what makes all of this possible. And if you're not a follower of Jesus here today, I just want to encourage you. There's really two responses, I think, to what I'm saying here tonight. Either you say, I want to know this Savior. I want to put my trust in him. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a few minutes. But I think there's another response. You know what the other response is? Forget this. This is, this is crazy. This isn't truth. I'm just going to walk away from this. And it was fun. It was cool. I got to see ninjas fall from the ceiling. But that's it. I was entertained tonight. Can, can I just plead with you for a second? As we look at the screen here and we see this, and again, if I didn't bring up your thing, Fill it in. Add it to that list. 
if Jesus can make that true, if the first Christmas, if Christ's coming can make it true that this is the last Christmas I have to spend any of those things or anything else you could put in those blanks, then isn't it worth it to dive in and really figure out what you believe? To really look into Jesus. Don't, I'm just pleading with you, don't dismiss Jesus because you're not feeling it right now or seeing it right now. The Bible tells us, uh, one of my favorite verses, it says that when we look for God with all our hearts, we'll see him. And my question, my question for you is, is, would you be willing to look for Jesus with all your heart, even if it's just for a season, to say, all right, this guy on the stage is telling me I can trust Jesus. I don't know if I can trust Jesus. I have some friends. It seems like maybe God's doing something in their life. They kind of seem excited about God. I don't know if I can trust them. But man, if there's a potential of that being true, I should at least explore it. And you know what? If you don't like our church, that's okay. We'll help you find another church. We don't really care about that. I mean, we'd love for you to come here, and we'd love to walk with you through this process. But if you don't like our church or our style, we'll find you a church you love and get you plugged in there just so you can keep exploring who Jesus is. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus, will you at least explore and search him out? If you are a follower of Jesus, will you bring him your loneliness? Will you bring him your addiction, your fear, your anxiety, your depression, your blindness, and your guilt, and whatever else you can fill in that blank with? Will you bring it to him? Because that's what I said earlier. Is this all hinges on how we interact with Jesus. That's the potential for us. But it takes you and me saying, I want a relationship with you, God. And I'm going to be close to you, God. And I'm going to come to you, God. And I'm going to put you first, God. And, and in that, we begin to find all of that freedom playing out. So here's what I'm not going to tell you tonight. I'm not going to tell you tonight that if you bring everything to God or you put your trust in him for the first time tonight, that you're never going to have a bad day again and everything's going to go right for the rest of your life. Because that's just simply not true. But what I am going to tell you is that Jesus coming changed everything. That Jesus coming actually transforms hearts and lives. Years ago, I went through a season of incredible doubt. And I struggled so badly. I grew up in a great Christian home. And my parents taught me all about Jesus. Went to a Christian school and learned all about Jesus. But I got to the point where I just said, is this truth or is this just what I was told? And for years, I searched with all my heart. And, and I had planned on becoming a pastor, and suddenly here was all this doubt. And I'm saying to myself, there is no way I'm going to dedicate my life to getting on a stage telling people Jesus can be trusted if I can't even trust him. And so for years I struggled, and I searched, and I looked, and I prayed, and I read books, and I studied, and I researched. And do you know what I found at the end of the day? I found that Jesus can be trusted. And that living life with him, is so drastically different than living without him. Our staff was praying a few days ago, and the thought hit me, God, thank you that my worst day with you is still better than my best day without you. My worst day with you, God, is still light years different than my best day if I had no hope in you and no Savior. And so whether you're a follower of Jesus or not tonight, we all do the same thing. We approach our Savior and the beautiful thing is he came for us. And you might be saying tonight, Doug, I hear what you're saying, but how can all this be true? Like, so Jesus comes as a little baby and we celebrate that. He gets up and he reads the scroll. Everybody's amazed at what he says. But how does that remove my sin? Well, we're talking about a lot of lasts here tonight, right? Last Christmas, last season, struggling with these things. But you know what? For Jesus, there was a last supper and then he was betrayed. And then there was a last cry from the cross that he was nailed to 
Father, why have you forsaken me? And then there was a last breath, and he died in your place, in mine, and he was buried in the ground, and then there was a last day in the grave, and he rose back from the dead, and that is your hope, and that is my hope. And so tonight, we just want to point you to Jesus. We want to begin this journey with you. And if you're a follower of Jesus, we want you to continue this journey and take a step toward Jesus this Christmas season so that this can be the last Christmas that you are alone, addicted, fearful, anxious, depressed, guilty, or blind. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much, God, that you came, that this little baby was born, that You entered into our pain. You entered into our suffering. And then you removed our sin and our shame so that we could have all this hope. That first Christmas is our hope that this could be the last Christmas that we're a slave or a prisoner to the things in our lives. And God, I thank you that you came so that you would walk through us. You would walk through loneliness with us, God. You would walk through addiction with us and free us. You'd walk through our fears with us. You'd walk through our anxiety. You'd walk through our depression and our guilt and our blindness. And so Jesus, I just pray that here in this season, we will find that you can be trusted. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you bring to him whatever you filled that blank in with? And maybe it's been a while since you've even prayed about it. Maybe you got discouraged. Maybe you didn't see like an overnight transformation and you're like, man, I don't even know if this works. Would you bring that to him again? Because I believe that first Christmas has the power to change this one and the ones in the years to come. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to respond to him and maybe put your trust in him tonight, I'm going to just pray a prayer in just a minute. And these are not magic words. They're just words. And I, I talk to Jesus like I talk to my wife or my friends or any of you tonight. It's a conversation with a, with a, a person that wants to have a relationship with you. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you'd like, you can use your own words. You don't have to use mine. But before I do that, I just want to again encourage you, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're so unsure about all this and you're not ready to pray any prayers tonight, that's okay. But would you at least search Jesus out? But if you want to put your trust in him tonight, would you just quietly pray something like this? Jesus, thank you so much for coming for me. Thank you so much for dying on the cross in my place. Thank you that you purchased my salvation that I get to be with you in heaven one day. But here and now, you begin to work on my loneliness and my addiction. You begin to work on my blindness and my guilt. God, show me how real you are. And I thank you for this incredible gift. In your name I pray.